0: What's up, everyone? I am back. Uh, I'm just as confused and nervous as ever for whatever reason. Uh, but instead of doing the financial stuff first, I want to just chime back into the more philosophical and psychological stuff because that's I just find that more interesting. I, I Not that I'm saying finance is in the interest finances aren't interesting, it's just it's, it's more complex because hum, humans are what control finances. And I want to, I like diving into the the first sources, than just the sources that everyone thinks about. I don't, I don't know if that makes any damn sense. But anyways, I wanted to talk about today. Um, it's a paper I wrote a long, long time ago. Maybe like Two years ago I don't know when exactly the thing got updated so it, it doesn't tell me exactly when I even started the paper but it was about how humans are very locust like in which we we have different brains when we're alone or when we're in, when we're in a group so this paper that I'm gonna read out, uh it's it's a quick one. I didn't I never got to finish this one. So but it was interesting what I wrote. I was like, huh, I was on to something. <laughs> but for whatever reason I never finished it. And I guess I'll add on to it, you know, saying more random crap after I read it. But it was um it was interesting. Definitely gives you a different point of view when it comes to what it means to be selfish and so on. So enough about explaining it. Let me just read it out, and then I'll throw more information about it afterwards. This is the first paragraph that kind of explains what I'm going to go into. So it is often said that, the, that human beings are selfish creatures. You hear that all the time. People are only for themselves, and so you must do the same, otherwise you'll find yourself being used and tossed aside. I don't understand this statement of human selfishness due to the fact that history says otherwise. It's quite clear through observing you know, human creativity, we're all very social and very much willing to do what's best for each other rather than just the individual. But this statement of selfishness cannot be thrown fully aside. I've come to the conclusion that just like locusts, we transform when placed in an environment with others for extended periods of time. When a human being is also alone, I do believe the statement of human selfishness, but when it is placed among... Oh, wait, I misread that. I've come to the conclusion that just like locusts, we transform when placed in an environment with others for extended periods of time. When a human being is alone, I do believe the statement of complete human selfishness, but when placed amongst in a group, that selfish trait transcends the individual and instead is placed onto the group. Ha, okay. Okay glad I clarified that part it didn't make sense earlier so the next section is going to be on the individual in which I dive on that individual part And I want to get into that last sentence I just said Um, the complete human selfishness but when placed amongst a group that selfish trait transcends the individual and instead it's placed into the group I'll get into that after, or a little more after I read the, the little bit of, the little part I wrote for the, the individual part. Because this was supposed to be a paper on how the individual interacts and how the, the swarm, the social aspect, interacts. And that's the part I never got to, but I'll, I'll see if I can get into it right now or after I read this section. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the individual where human nature displays its ultimate selfishness is when we are alone. It doesn't um it doesn't have to be a physical matter as well. Just because an individual is part of a group or hangs out, hangs around them, that doesn't translate into being part of that group. Externally, the individual is viewed as part of a group. Internally, the individual may see himself as an outsider. So just because someone portrays themselves as part of a bigger, as something bigger, that does that doesn't make it true. Oftentimes, these are the people who are willing to betray the group or cause problems amongst the member, the members in order to separate the group. Um, the selfish individual will seek out power, pleasure, or chaos. We all have this selfish being inside us all. What and the way to kind of see it is what we do behind closed doors determines whether or not we see ourselves as part of a group or the lone wolf. For example, doing something when no one is looking that... Wait, I misread that. Let me go back, let me go back. For example, doing something when no one is looking that would be ostracized by the group, but yet you do it anyways, despite... It could display a sense of selfish individualism and not a group dynamic. I I don't know how that made sense. What the hell? I think I just skipped over some sentences. Let me I'll reread that and explain it later because I I don't know how the hell I wrote that and it made sense to my head. Doing things behind closed doors and whatever makes you happy. This, of course, does not make you a bad person by any means, but it does signify a central view rather than an open view or a group view. Um, As I will talk about later, which I don't, both the selfish individual and the selfish society can reach levels of evil if left untouched. As stated, when we are alone, we display the ultimate selfishness. Whether through pleasure, pride, gluttony, imagination, and so on. These are the moments that display our true nature as the individual. So think for several minutes about the things you do when no one is looking. While the doors are closed. Um, will your wife, while your husband and wife are away. Will your friends or co- when your friends or co-workers aren't looking. Would they criticize you? Would they be disgusted? Would they never see you again after they see what you do? Um, how about we flip it? Let's just forget that someone else is criticizing you. What would you do if you caught someone cri- Um, caught someone doing exactly what you were doing. Um, would you be disgusted? Would you never want to see them again? Um. Would you avoid them altogether afterwards? Which is the same as what I just said. I I don't know what the hell I was writing. This needs to be proofread a lot. Um, Now, like I said earlier, this doesn't make the individual a bad person, but if there are thoughts of wrongfulness in the action committed in the dark, then perhaps it's time to make better use of that time. Um, Shame prevents us from displaying our secrets our secret actions to the world but once a threshold is reached and that shame is no the shame no longer becomes an issue then the, indi- then the individual goes from hiding secrets to potentially becoming a monster which you know this is a gray area though um, due to the nature of confidence it can build um, due to the nature of confidence they could build here, but at the same time be shattered. Confidence is a double-edged sword in this case, though. A confident person, say, asking uh, asking a girl out is different from a, a guy going out and raping or killing the girl. I mean, they're both instances of confidence. They're just on different extremes. So... That was my part, this that wasn't in the paper. The raping and killing part, yes, but everything afterwards me. Um, let me go back to the paper. If an individual if an individual harbors malicious intent that has been kept behind closed doors and suddenly finds the confidence to act on those secret desires, it's of course very destructive. If an individual finds the confidence to kill his classmates instead of just imagining it, then again this is very destructive confidence. All these actions and all which involve attacking or killing another individual or group is the ultimate form of like selfishness. It declares to the aggressor how much control of life he may have if he simply acts upon these thoughts. But ironically enough, this same confidence can be the difference between changing the world for better or the worse. So the path of meaning capital M, also intersects with confidence. Taking the first step towards meaning is something that is best done alone and to take the very first steps requires some sort of confidence, faith and luck. As I I stated in many of my papers on meaning with a capital M and I doubt you guys ever, 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 ever I doubt you guys ever read any of the previous papers so just kind of ignore that. But when I say meaning with a capital M, this is something that transcends your goals. Um, How do I describe it? Uh, Meaning with a capital M is a goal that is beyond just you as the individual. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. It is something that you cannot fail because failing it doesn't just um, fail you. It fails many others behind you. So it's It's a bigger goal than just, you know, you wanting to do something. No one knows about it. You fail. You just move on and no one cares. That's meaning with a small M. Meaning with a capital M, is something where once you fail, everyone fails. Or there's disappointment. It's, It's bigger. It's harder to drop that disappointment with capital M meaning than it is with the small M meaning. Um, where was I anyways? So isolation for quite some time can take its toll on an individual, especially if they aren't used to relying upon themselves for answers. A lack of confidence will lead the individual towards outside influences, in which anger, depression, misinformation, and death can follow. It is here during these critical moments of questioning oneself that the individual must make a decision. A system, a ritual, or an epiphany is born that will, flow, that will flow, that will follow the individual for the rest of their life. Here is where selfishness plays a double-edged role, or double-sided role. It is often said, wait, that selfishness is wrong. Conversely enough though, depending on the situation, it can actually be quite beneficial to the individual. Say for example, I wanna help the homeless. This is my example that I use. It's it's a more personal one, but I hope the point gets across. Say I want to help homelessness in the far in the most far-reaching way possible. I can of course take time out of my day and help the homeless shelters, but in the grand scheme of things, this will take much time for anything significant to show effect. What if instead I choose to be selfish, focus on investing, focus on. Bettering my financial situation, save my money, take the path of loneliness in order to focus on bettering every aspect of just not my personal being, my financial being, my mental being, to gather as much capital as possible within my given time in order to create you know, more schools to help uh, kids learn about finances, to avoid the financial stretches, stretches stresses of life to avoid homelessness, to build home more homeless shelters, and not just, you know, just a shelter, but also a system that educates them, helps them find jobs, whilst in the process of gathering that capital, I'm going to be viewed as greedy and selfish. So that's the individual part that I wrote about. And it's interesting. I I read that, and I was like, man, that's... I was on to something. That was that was pretty good. So I guess this this is post. So everything I'm going to be saying is outside of this paper. This is purely my changed perspective on things. So let me get into the the social aspect because I I didn't touch upon that at all. So when I said the 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 selfishness transcends. The individual and instead is placed upon the group. So you see this in teams, sports teams. Now, I wear this is me, I wear many hats from many different teams, and I always get weird looks from people. And they always ask, Who are you? Who do you root for? Why are you wearing that hat? You shouldn't be wearing that hat. You live in this area. How come you're not rooting for this team? And blah, blah, blah. Oh, are you from that area? And I always tell them the same answer. No, I just like the hat. I like the design. But this shows you just how much the selfish group extends far beyond just the individual. If I can't wear a hat without being looked at funny, that just shows how um, selfish that group is. Um, it's instead of the individual fighting for his personal goals, he's fighting for the team's goals. And he's being adamant about it. He or she. Um, but at the end of the day, it is just a hat. There's there's nothing significant about it. It's just a hat. It just has a logo on it. That's it. <laughs> so th- that's kind of my example of how that works. And that's the, the swarm aspect. That's the individual that gets caught up in the swarm and turns into um, a locust. So the locust just devours, destroys, and does whatever the locust, the swarm wants. And that's Essentially what's happening now. I'm pretty sure that's the reason why I wrote this paper. I I was starting to notice. This is happening. This has happened for decades. Uh, But people, once they get caught up in an idea, they get caught up in the idea. They don't want to stray from that idea. They become essentially one being adamantly defending their selfish view. It's technically not one being. It's an entire group acting as one. So you see this with Republicans, Democrats, uh, people who support abortion, people who don't support abortion, gun activists versus the anti-gun activists, and blah, blah, blah. They're acting out one individual's idea that's been spread out and been basically consumed until it became this swarm and this can be like i said a good thing or a bad thing depending on how far and how untouched we allow it to go so usually you want to place a limit you want to remind the individual or the group, you're an individual, you have your own train of thought, learn to question your own train of thought, and that's essentially what, I did write some extra parts to this paper, which essentially says what I just said, and essentially, you want to learn how to have self-control, you want to learn how to question yourself, because if you just allow your emotions, because that's essentially what a swarm is, well, on a human Social aspect—it's just emotions that are out of control, and it attracts more people, and it makes the swarm more dangerous. And this is obviously mob mentality. And Jonathan Haidt said it best—you know, in the happiness hypothesis. You know, your emotions are the elephant, and your rationale is the rider on top of that elephant obviously one is in control of the other it's not the the elephant rider it's the elephant that's in control of the situation so if the elephant gets freaked out and is going to go on a you know a rampage a stampede (laughs) there's nothing the rider can do except wait it out unless the rider is really good at controlling the elephant's temperament but most people aren't and that's what I wanted to also talk about when it comes to the individual. Um, you want to be able to control your emotions. Do not let the swarm, do not allow the hype, you know, control you. Because that's, that's where things get bad. Um, this is where you get people who commit, you know, dangerous actions. They, they allow that emotion to, to simmer down all the way down to the rationale. And then eventually, although illogical, it becomes logical to them because they allow that emotion to just go all the way down to their common sense. And it becomes common sense. So the this would be serial killers. Oh, actually, I'll touch upon that in a bit. I'm going to put that aside. This would be people who are consumed by emotions. that end up killing someone, raping someone. um Attacking someone. Because most of the time. People don't just act out. All of a sudden. it Things build up to that moment. Typically something triggers. Uh, an emotional response. It's, it gets either suppressed. Or someone forces it down. And it just simmers down there. And they don't. Talk it out. They don't let it come out in a safe, um, I guess in a safe way, and instead they just let it simmer, it becomes logic to them. The elephant's reactions basically go up to the, the rider and they both react the same way, even though one is illogical and one is logical. And then that's what happens to the group. So you have an entire stampede of elephants. And you have all the riders behind those elephants trying to stampede everything too. So you have your swarm. You have your locusts. You have your perfect locusts are the ones who don't care about themselves whatsoever and do whatever the swarm wants. So you see this a lot in... um, and millennials and the uh, iGeners, which is the next generation after millennials, or the, I think they call them Gen Zs or whatever they call them. I call them iGeners, because they came in the internet age, the iPhone age, whatever you want to call it. And these kids, these, I, I'm a millennial too, but um, they they're willing to throw themselves completely under the bus if it means the betterment of the swarm, which is very, you know, communism. It's communism, socialism, that's basically what it is. And it it can be good for the society for a little bit, but eventually it all boils back down to an individual who just would want control of that system. It's happened every time. It it's human nature. If you put someone in power of a system in which everyone doesn't question, eventually someone will start creating their own system out of that system. It'll just cascade into dictatorship, into totalitarianism, into you know death, into anything else, whatever that person wants. So that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid the actual swarm. But most people, it's just their instinct to just join the swarm. It happens to me sometimes. You know, someone says, I don't know, um, they, they like electric cars. My instinct, because I grew up with older cars, specifically muscle cars, I've, I had a passion for those cars. Um, My instinct instantly kicks in and says, no, screw electric cars. Those are dumb. Those, I'm never going to buy one of those, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all about gasoline cars, you know, muscle cars. You know, the new Mustang is dumb because it's an electric sedan or um, crossover. So those are my initial reactions. That's my elephant, you know, trying to crush anything that, you know, Tries to question its old view, its its it's, in, its internal space, its how its world, its ve- how its world is viewed. But then I, hey, calm down. It's okay, you know. Most of the cars were cool and everything, but you know the the world is changing. Um, electric cars they are definitely going to play a role in the future but they're not going to play the role that people think it's going to play uh, there's there's no way you can have infrastructure for electric cars like that essentially you have to have a garage if you want to have an electric car if you don't if you live in the in an apartment and you park in the street where the hell are you going to charge your car i hear people's arguments oh you just charge it when you're at work or you just charge it when like a gas station or an electric station but it takes an hour or two for the damn thing to even get like half charged so what the hell how is that more convenient uh, of an answer than just hey just get a gasoline car park it wherever you want and if you need fuel it less than five minutes you're done move on with your life so Electric cars will play a role, but it's not the role that people think it's going to play. Oh, I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> but yeah. Um, you want to avoid that that swarm mentality. Because that's that's all our initial reactions are initially. Yeah. Duh. Uh, it's an emotional response. But you try to criticize yourself during that moment... Try to catch yourself outside of yourself and be in question. It. it that's how I see it, at least. So, if I say, say, I let my elephant go out and say, Yeah, electric car's done, blah blah blah, I'll pause for a quick second, look at it from the outside. If I was a person on the outside listening to me say this, I'd be like, Hey, you do realize the world's changing. You do realize they're not that bad. Yeah, then I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know what? The world is going to be electric cars, not to the extent that people think. <laughs> it's not going to be all everyone's has electric cars, but it is going to change, and electric cars are definitely going to play a role in that. Um, but not anytime soon. So I'll still have my muscle cars and. Running obnoxious fumes. And loud exhaust and all that. But um. You want to avoid being part of the swarm. As much as you can. Because the swarm. There's not much. Real world logic to it. It's internal logic. It, joining the swarm. And not questioning any. Aspect of it. just just going to make your life worse more depressed and just involve you in many problems that you could easily avoid. Say for example, this this is a simple one. It's not as huge, it's not a huge swarm thing. Say an individual cuts you off while you're driving. I want to flick them off. I want to drive around them and block them. But I don't I tell myself, hey Let's hope this guy's wife is in labor. Let's hope someone is dying. And I'll give him the pass. Do whatever he wants. Um, or say even worse. This guy's pissed off. How is me pissing him off even more. Going to help the situation. What if he's got a gun? Now i pissed him off. Because I cut him back off. Or I flicked him off. He's pissed off already as it is. Now he's got a gun. And he's coming after me. Easily avoidable if I had just been like, you know what? Go on your way. I don't care. Do what you want. I'm in no rush. I'm not trying to die. Because the faster you drive, in case you didn't know, the more likely chances are for you to die. That's the thing about... I'm going to get a little sidetracked here. But when it comes to time, it wants to kill you. That's... That's how I view time itself. It's a system that is meant to safeguard external space. And the way it safeguards is by killing us. Obviously, we're not immortal. We have limited time while we're still here. And the human mind is a infinite a creator. And external space is limited in space. It's... It's finite. It's not infinite like the human mind. So time is the safeguard to prevent the human mind from overwhelming external space. So if we have too much creativity, obviously everything on the planet would get destroyed. Now, I don't mean obviously destroyed. Like, yeah, we just... Well, yeah, technically we made nuclear bombs. We have the power to destroy the planet thanks to our creativity. But um, I keep saying, but um, keep going back to Robin. So, so like I saying, time is the safeguard. So basically, when you are you driving fast, you're essentially tempting time to kill you. I guess it's one of the best ways I can say it. So when you're rushing, say you wake up. You wake up late. You rush through brushing your teeth. You rush through everything. You tell your wife, get out of the way, you tell your husband, get out of the way. You get in your car, crank it up, don't give it any time to warm up whatsoever and instantly drive off. So now you could be damaging components in the engine. Now cars have gotten better from old school cars in which you kinda have to warm them up. You don't really have to warm them up now. But it's a good idea or a good um a good habit to just let it sit for like five seconds just to just to get the fluids running the oils running just just so they could get a little bit warm so they could get to that viscosity you want i mean that like i said they're designed better than before so you don't really have to do that but just it's just a good habit just to ensure that you're kind of getting that extra um mile out of it but in the long run It can either shorten or increase um, aspects of the car, of the engine. So, So you wake up late, you get in your car, crank it up, drive off. So now you're damaging the engine. I'm exaggerating, of course. But you are damaging the engine. And now you're blowing through red lights. You're pissing people off. You're pissing yourself off. And time now is in control of your situation. It's essentially saying, keep pushing your luck. I'm going to kill you. Keep keep trying to beat me. You're not, no one beats time. I mean, except for God. That's the metaphysical side of me. But I'll put that to the side for this example. Keep pushing your luck. No one beats time. It's it's something I say when I'm driving with, when someone's driving and I'm, you know, passenger and I see them racing and I'm, I'm all looking around like, man, are we trying to beat time? I don't think time's catching up. So it's become an inside joke whenever someone, when someone I know is like racing around, I don't know, for whatever reason. And I'm just looking at the clock. I'm looking all around. It's like, man, time isn't going to catch up, man. Just Relax. So don't try to tempt yourself against time. Because time always wins. So, Say you wake up early. Get in your car. You let it sit for five seconds. Put it in drive. Cruise on off. You catch all the green lights. You got lucky for whatever reason. Catch a red light here and there. That's fine. You're not late at all. So it doesn't matter how many red lights you catch. You've got so much time. That time is actually working with you. So all the people that are smashing through the freeway, does it matter? You have all the time in the world. You could get caught up in traffic. Eh, Oh, well, I got 80 minutes until I get to work. So, eh, it's all right. But work is only like five miles away. You gave yourself so much time. That's the thing. You want to give yourself enough time so that you don't have to fight against it because you're not going to win against time no one wins against time you're just pushing your limits until time catches up and says oh well this was your last um luck coin time to cut you off and you know sometimes innocent people get inadvertently caught in that cut off you know these are the car accidents and whatnot so the point of this is just don't fight time you know, give yourself, always work work with time as much as you can. Because the more you understand time, the more in control you are. And the more you start realizing that you're an individual. You could question yourself. You could question the swarm. You could avoid many problems. In fact, I'm just going to, I think this is more interesting to talk about. So I'm going to talk more about time because that's something I really love talking about. And something I really don't write about or talk about. But time is essentially what dictates our emotions, our reactions. Everything is dictated by time. When you have an angry response, typically that's because you don't have the patience. You don't want to give the person the time to understand why something is bothering you. Something is bothering them. When you're happy, you're ignoring time. You're essentially saying, time, if you kill me, it's fine. This is this is okay. This moment in life is so good that I can ignore you and not worry about you coming in and ruining it. That's happiness. But... Happiness is very short-lived, so don't expect that to be the goal in life. And um, and like I was saying, time is the safeguard to external space. If you don't know what external space is, that it's it's my term of saying reality, the physical space. Internal space is your mind. It is the infinite dimension in your brain. This isn't where infinite information can be stored. This is where infinite creativity comes from because anything can pop into your brain no matter how logical or illogical it comes in from it, everything we see today that is not natural. I mean, technically everything is natural but everything that's not in, in, in naturally in external space is all from here. You know, the human mind. The walls, the earbuds you're wearing, the computer you're on, the chair you're on, the apartment you're in, the house you're in, the room you're in, everything, the phone that you're using, everything is from the human mind. Now imagine letting the human mind do whatever it wants and take and just overwhelm the limited space we have. That would be extremely problematic so that's what external space this that's what the, i think this pandemic was it was a reminder from external space hey you guys think you're in control but oh no, don't, don't forget i'm still here i'm i'm the one in control you think you're in control but you're not here's a uh, here's a uh, a virus to kill off some of your people to remind you that you are not in control Now, whether that virus was man-made or natural, we still don't know. But in in any sense, it is a reminder that we're not in control. So no matter how much you think you have a grasp on life, you have, you don't. Focus on what you can control. Leave the elements that you can't control out of your mind. You can't control them. Don't worry about them just do the best you can with what you're given and maximize everything you can that's within your control going back to time though with time if you can understand that you'll it'll just make things so much easier in life You don't have to rush, you don't have to make enemies, you don't have to, uh, how do I say it? I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, It'll come back to me somehow. But it's just so much easier when you can work with time and external space. Now, like I said, external space, it's its own thing. You'll never control it. You'll never have a grasp on it. You kind of have a grasp on time, like I said, when you're happy. But that's that's just you kind of ignoring it. That gives you that sense of control, but it's it's not control. But let's let's just go with it's kind of control, just because happiness is a it's it's a feeling that we're supposed to feel. It's a good thing. It's what helps us through the bad times. But try not to fully forget that you know. Time is trying to still kill you. Um, external space is trying to kill you. Every day you walk out of the door, there's something trying to kill you, whether you know it or not. Something is out there trying to kill you, um, whether it be the, you know, the tiny bugs, the germs, the pollen, the food you eat, uh, the cars that are being driven on the road, the animals that you interact with, uh, the meteor that's gonna crash on your head, Whatever stupid thing you could imagine that could possibly kill you, it's it's out there, and I'm not telling you this to be oh be afraid, stay in your house, don't do shit with your life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying just keep aware. That those things are out there, but the thing is, our our mind because of its infinite capability of creativity. It can kind of suppress those things. It has suppressed those um, many dangers. And that's a good thing. Obviously, you see human life expectancy is climbing up every time. Um, violence has decreased. But it's mostly because we have nukes now, but that's a different topic. Um, but it is a human made thing. So, I'm not saying to be afraid of walking outside but I am saying you know just remember although although the human mind has done amazing things and it's somewhat kept a suppress suppress the external space a little we're not in complete control we have we put a cage on on life but we, we can't lock the door on it so if it ever wakes up and just opens the door that is it's gonna go out no matter what we do there's no lock that could keep it back. There's no key that could hold the, that can lock the, uh, the lock itself. So just we have life in a cage, and that's all the best we can do. The, the door can't close. So just we'll keep it nice. Uh, we'll try to keep it as happy as possible, so it doesn't come out and kill us. But that's essentially what life is. Life is a tiger in a cage with a door that can't lock. So it's it's best to be sitting standing on the other side of the cage, away from the door, and feeding it, you know, and making sure it doesn't come out to the other end and try to kill us. So that's uh, I, I guess that's a weary of looking at it. So I guess I have been blabbering on for quite some time and random things as well, but. I guess that's where this is heading, anyways. These are all just random thoughts. That's the whole idea of the podcast to start with just random thoughts. So I am going to, I guess, leave it off at the 45 minute mark, I'm at 43 minutes ish. So, yeah. Um hope you found it useful, especially the time part. That's the part I want. This is the whole reason why I want the podcast. That's why it bothered me so much that the financial part. Uh, Is what blew up the most. I'm like this. this, If you could view time differently. You could view finances differently. You no longer have to worry about short term thinking. You just worry about the long term. Because the long term is where the real money is made. And there's evidence to back it up. That's what bothers me. People just want the short term stuff. Which is rare. It can happen. I'm not saying that you can't become rich quick. But it's rare. So instead of going with the rare, fuck, um, the rare, excuse my language, um, the rare event, just go with the most likely event that will get you rich, which is long-term investing. Uh, That's where that's where learning about time can help you. It's the time that can teach you about finances. It's the time that can teach you about life. It's the time that can teach you to understand people. It's the time. Time that can teach you how to control yourself. Time, time. I don't know how many times I have to say it. But it's always, it always goes back to time now. Getting metaphysical, it goes back to God. But for this example, it's time. Uh, If you can realize the significance of time you could realize a lot Uh, i try to balance my life with my wife my coming kids my friends my personal time my research time my waste time my try to prepare my body for stress time which is you know just exercising Uh, my Work time, sleep time it's a lot of crap i will say that, but once you get like a, a kind of grip on your time management, it'll become easier you 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 won't even realize that you're doing so many things just automatically that eventually it, it's just it's just easy so just don't be. Afraid of the complexity. Just just start small. Every day, you want to do one task. Say you want to... This is what I do, at least. Uh, Every day, if I read, it's got to be 10 pages minimum. So that's what I do every time now. It's it's just instinct now. If I pick up a book, it's got to be 10 pages minimum. I've read more than that before, but for whatever reason, if I'm that day I'm like brain dead or something, it's got to be at least 10 pages. Then I knock out books faster. I knock out at least one book a month, at least one. Sometimes two. I don't think I've ever knocked out three in a month, but at least one to two books a month. So it, that's knowledge right there. Free, well, or I pay for the books. You're going to pay for the books too. But that's knowledge right there that like you didn't have before. So, you know, try to do one task a day. That you kind of don't want to do, but you know you should do do that at least once a day, then do two tasks a day, then do three tasks a day, but do this over time. Don't just do one day, two tasks on the second day, three tasks on the third day do like one task every day for two weeks then try to bump it up to two tasks every week and see basically find your limit is what I'm saying, start small, push yourself until you find the limit, and that's it. That's where you stuck. To me, it was 10 pages. I could read 10 pages without going completely brain dead. So I'm like, okay, 10 pages. Um, When it comes to me writing, I'm currently trying to write a book. I suck. I've tried multiple times to write several books. I've tried multiple times to write several papers. The paper that I started off with, didn't even get finished, this social locus paper but um my new thing is to write at least just one page every time i sit down and write my book so at least just one page and typically i i finish writing halfway through a page and stop and then that way whenever i pick it up again i would just have to write half a page and that's it i'm done so you know you you find little ways to cheat your system but technically, you're still accomplishing what you want. Sometimes I read 12, 15 pages a day. Then the next day, I could just read five pages. Technically, that's 10 because I read the five yesterday, so I got a head start. But if I want to, I could be like, "eh, I'll just read the full 10." But I'm in. In the long run, I'm getting ahead either way. I'm completing my goal of at least 10 pages, and if I want to do. uh, the extra five pages, I'm getting ahead now. I've read technically 20 pages. Or 25 pages. Yeah, 25. So in either case, you're, you're gonna be going ahead. So just start small. Understand the significance of time. Understand that you're not fully in control of life, no matter how much you think you are. Don't follow the swarm. Swarm is what's going to get you killed. The swarms always die off. Swarms always starve to death because eventually they won't find food. There's only so much food that you could, you know, eat out. Yeah, that, that sounded wrong. <laughs> but, anyways, um, I'll leave it there. Uh, I hope you found it useful. I will catch you, peasants, in the next episode.